Guys, welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. Hopefully, I apologize for getting it out on Tuesday instead of Monday. Kind of went over what happened. We had some really bad weather come through. We were hunting out on the river, knocked a bunch of trees and power lines down. And so, but anyhow, we're getting it out on Tuesday. Hope that is okay with y'all. I'm with Brad Ferris today. We're going to be talking about what we've been seeing at Cottonmouth and here at Togo Island where we're at now. We're going to be talking about the rut in the south. Going to talk some about calling bow hunting and gun hunting setups for rut stuff like that i think it's a really interesting podcast and it's firsthand to us because we've seen this is what we've been dealing with for the past week or so and lastly before we dive into it if you want to do us a big big favor head on over to our page on itunes give us a rating and write us a review enjoy the show so brad hey <laughs> well we kind of got an interesting situation yeah, explain right explain the sound first. If you hear that sound in the background, that's a generator. So we had some terrible storms come through last night. Bad, and bad. Tornadoes just south of us and knocked down a bunch of power lines in this hole in, in Claiborne County, Mississippi. So they're saying two or three days without power. But you know what? It's cold. It's the rut. As long as I can keep my refrigerator cold and the coffee pot working with the generator, I'm fine. Yeah, last night we had the uh, last night we had the generator going, so we hooked up the TV so we could watch the Saints game. Yep. You, you had your uh, gas grill, so we grilled up some deer sausage, and then I had uh, we had one lamp on so we could see what we were eating and watch the game. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice every now and then. It, it makes you realize how sometimes we take little things for granted. It's kind of more like, you know, we got to. It's just like being home a lot of times when you go to hunting camp nowadays. Well, yeah. to have a one light and a cook deer sausage on the grill and and watch TV. That was just to have a TV was was a blessing. But um, yeah with a little bit of generator but it's all good and and you know the deer hunting this year has been the strangest i have ever experienced in my my life yeah um people cause the deer just hadn't been moving so we, we talked about this a little bit so along the river the mississippi river whether it's here at togo or up at cottonmouth and, and everywhere in between all my friends are experiencing the same thing you have basically spring was in august this year yeah and so we didn't hardly see any deer to mount anything. I mean, none on honey locust, bean trees, persimmon trees, acorn trees not coming to our food plots yeah. with any regularity. You know, I, Yeah, I told uh, earlier in the season, like when you're talking about, I said I, I broke a personal record this year of time spent in the tree not seeing a deer at Cottonmouth. Like just that ne- that never happened that many days. I mean, you know, you're gonna have some days like that, but I mean, we were going, we went like four or five days without seeing a deer. Yep. Not yep. even seeing one. And then we were getting a few pictures, you know, but it was all nighttime stuff. They just yeah. didn't have to move. It was, it was, it was like trying to hunt them yeah. in June, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's changing now. As the ruts approaching, we've had some cold weather. Acorns are falling. I mean, the the sign me and you've been finding as we've been hanging these camera setups around togo is i mean it's pretty impressive in places on the acorns now yeah for the first time in the last week and a half two weeks and it's odd kind of kind of like what you were saying like because we've been you know we filmed at togo this is since i've been here this is probably the third or fourth time that we've come right since i've been here during deer season we've come to turkey season too but um and it's usually right around this time of year and usually food plots work pretty well for us Mm -hmm. you know um and it's it's odd, like you said, we go and we check these food plots, or and we've hunted some of them, and it's just like they're not being eaten, you know. You're like, man, when have I ever seen a food plot here, or at Cottonmouth that was, you yeah. know, almost up to your knee? It's usually eaten down. Exactly. 
It's, I mean, like waiting down. You usually walk into it and you go, God, look at all this deer sign. Looks like somebody running a lawnmower over mm-hmm. it. Um, but it's, it's kind of been interesting. I've enjoyed the fact of having to step back. Okay, we got it. The deer have changed. We got to change. Yeah. So me and you were here last week for about three days, and we hunted a little bit. But the main thing we did was scout, put cameras out, hang stands, and just we, we changed our ways because the deer have changed their ways, and that's what we did. We tried the traditional stuff, and we wasn't seeing nothing. Yeah. And we're like, man, we got to figure something you out. Got to do something. This yeah. is not working. <laughs> yeah. What's what's all what's interesting to me is like, and this is something I think worth talking about is you know last week you know referring to it was it was kind of slow for us. Um, last week we were here and Troy and Jordan were at Cottonmouth and it's, it's so interesting to me that short little difference, the difference between what we saw and what they saw. Cause they were seeing, they, so Troy and Jordan, Troy killed a buck last week and Jordan killed a buck and they were, I mean, like rutting, like the, the, uh, uh, Jordan sent me a clip of the footage from the one Troy killed. I mean, that buck, it was a fully mature buck. He was chasing. I'm talking like dog and a doe. Yeah, it's only about, what, I'm going to say it's 100, and, 100 miles north of us, mm-hmm. 120, something like that. Yeah. And, and we did not see, we saw one mature buck last Saturday morning, mm-hmm. tending a doe. Not chasing her, but he was just following her every step. Kinda, yeah, yeah. And he was a mature deer. He was a five-year-old plus. It just, it always intrigues me, like that trickle effect. You know, how, <laughs> I mean, just that little, because you think, I mean, it's on the river, you're like, I mean, it's north, but it's not that far north. But it's it's like it just takes its different stage, where it's like this week, we're seeing it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what me and you did here is we kind of, okay, it's the middle of December. We know it's rut time. But we kind of step back and say, okay, let's pretend it's October. Because these deer, we've got to get close to them because they're not, they're not moving far. Mm-hmm. They're not chasing does. They're not going from plot to plot, scrape to scrape, looking for does, mm. looking for other deer. So we tried to get closer to the bedding areas because they're just not walking like mm. they need to be walking or like they should be walking right. this time of year. So we, we've seen a few more mature deer. We've actually had a little luck yeah. in the last couple of days. It, it, well, it was – it's always it, – it, like you said, it's kind of one of that – what's that saying? Like the the hard times make the good times even better. <laughs> and then you, it's, it's like when stuff's coming – not necessarily easy for you, but when it's coming easier for you, easier to you than it has been, like, you know, it's, it's been a process for us to get that little bit of success that we've gotten, you know, as far as killing deer. Um, it makes me pay more attention to what what we did that made it work, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, like that first, so let's start, you know, just from that you shot a buck with your rifle. That's been two evenings ago? Two, yeah, I think it was yeah, two, two afternoons ago. Um so kind of, I remember you called me because I was at home. I had to go to that Christmas party, but you called me all fired up because you were excited about what you'd found. Kind of explain what you'd found, what what you to make you want to go in there. Well, I got to thinking about all the the net, the biggest concentration of our deer are on the middle and the south end of our property mm-hmm. here at Togo. Uh, the north end is a whole different. It's like it's like two different soil types tree type I mean it's like night and day from south mm-hmm. to north so the north end does not have hardly any doesn't have any acorn trees to speak of a few pecan trees different it's real sandy up there from the from the river it's uh, those it's a lot hotter soils meaning that sand doesn't grow the stuff like the the, the more clay delta type soils mm-hmm. that we have in the middle of togo in the south end so i went up there and i'm looking around and and I'm seeing all these trails just show up, and I got to look, and I went, so I'm going to look at this food plot. So there's a food plot we have right on the river, and it was just, I mean, it was eight down like a 
golf course and the trails, track scrapes, rubs were everywhere. And that's when I called you. I said, Lake, I found the, I found the concentration we need to go sit mm-hmm. on. And you were like, I'll be there for tomorrow afternoon. Right. Sure enough, we got there and we scared a deer out walking in at 2 o'clock, 2.30. And then we had deer steady coming in all day. And then we had a real nice eight point come mm-hmm. out. You know, 20 which, minutes for dark. Which was interesting to me, like you said, the difference between the two because, you know, we just said five minutes ago how odd it was that we were seeing food plots that weren't eaten down. Yep. Well, that was different over here because I remember you saying, you're like, there's just not as much natural food source right here. Yep. Which made that food, you know, completely different from the rest of the food plots we'd been hunting. And well, you could tell it as soon as I walked up there, it's like, oh, yeah, this one's eaten down. Well, it's a lot of that stuff that grows in the sandy soils. It's, it's button willows. It's, it's locust trees. So, and it's, it's kind of canopied over. It's great cover mm-hmm. for the deer to, to, to feel safe in, but it's just not a lot of food source. And so they're having to walk. They're, they're sleeping there, and they're eating elsewhere. And that was what, what we figured out. And we went over there and set a camera set up. And, and sure enough, we shot a five-and-a-half-year-old eight-point. Yeah. He was a, like a, kind of like what you said. You know, sometimes what you don't want to happen is one walks out there, and then you look at him longer, and the longer you look at him, it gets younger. That one, the longer he stood out there, it's like, golly, that looks like an old deer. Yeah, because at first I said, oh, yeah, he's four-and-a-half. And you said, yeah, I agree. And then, sure enough, we looked at him a little more because he was facing us. And when he got broadside, he had a another little small buck behind him, and I couldn't shoot. And so it just gave us more time to look at him. I was like, dang, like, I think he's five and a half yeah. instead of four and a half. Which you, me and you, like, I know at least this on the same length. Like, I, I love just seeing old deer, you yeah. know. But, you know, to get to, to get to kill one or, in, you know, in my situation, to get to film you kill one, that was cool. And it was – it was – you know, because like we, it, it's been a it's been a tough season mm-hmm. at Cottonmouth. I think everywhere along the river has been and tough. The last two years have been pretty tough, from the flood water to the now the the weather. It's been warm and mm-hmm. it's just different. Um, but it's amazing to me how you watch this country rebound, and and the, our body weights are really good mm-hmm. on on the bucks and the does. You the amount of greenbrier that I see walking around is I've never seen it so mm. abundant before as I have this year. Yeah. And the, the acorn trees, the pecan trees, they're just loaded. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say. I noticed that at, at, at Cottonmouth, um, you know, we don't have as many acorn trees. we got a lot of pecan trees, but don't have as many acorn trees. And usually, even with the few acorn trees we got, you know, early we'll go check them, and you're like, this one's falling, but those aren't over there. This year they seem to all be holding acorns and a lot of them right and you right. know it's it's like it's 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 interesting and it's um but it has been it's been a very different year and it's not been the easiest year as far as killing deer and so when you when you killed that buck two evenings ago oh it felt good well, <laughs> well i tell you what even felt better was shooting that buck this morning with my bow <laughs> can i talk about that oh absolutely i was just going in natural <laughs> progression yeah i was a natural i wanted to go and uh just kind of i wanted to walk everyone through what we went through what we were seeing uh to get us there but yeah definitely what i want to talk about just as much about you shooting that buck this afternoon is hanging the stand and why we hung that stand there well so we went there and this is on the south end of the place a lot of acorn trees and we walked in there and we're like dang we got to figure this out we had water as long as slew so we, we said okay we got to have a north wind and we looked at it and we couldn't find a tree and it was one tree i said dang Lane, look at that tree but it had it it had vines on it like i tried every i didn't want nothing to do with that tree poison ivy from bottom to top mm-hmm. but we're looking around more and everything came together 12 yards from that tree yep and we're like 
dang it, we got to do it. So, anyway, we spent about two hours, and I've still got poison ivy all over me right now. I got it on my wrist. Yeah, but we got in there before daylight, 12-mile-an-hour north wind, sitting there, and what was it, 30 minutes after daylight? Mm, it was still dim. Like, yeah, it, was, it was still pretty I dim. I said, I think I need to wake him up. What do you think? He said, yeah, do it. So I got my grunt, got the buck roar out, and I got my – I done renamed it to Magic Can because that thing, it, it, I've had so many great hunts, and I know it sounds like I'm trying to sell a can call here, but it's just too many stories and too many people have had so much success with that deer call during this time of year. Mm. We're about, today's the 17th of December. Based on health checks we've done here at Togo, the, the, the peak of the rut is either the 21st, 22nd, or 23rd each year. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, you're in that window of calling. Right. Those bucks are looking. Yep. You know, they 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 know it's fixing to go crazy. Well, anyway, I I grunted and then a few times and I bleated twice and then grunted again and then one bleat and then just to just within what a minute and a half. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just I don't know how I, I put my calls, set my calls down, looked around, looked to my left, looked to my right, and I see a rat coming. I mean, it was a minute and a half at most. Yeah. Pro- probably less. Because, I mean, like, I remember I was filming you do the calling stuff, and you were kind of through, and, I, I mean, I still was holding the camera, but I was kind of looking the other direction, and you start going, like, 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 you know, and he, here he comes, you know. It's amazing to me. I don't know where that deer was when he heard that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was 100 yards from us or 300 yards from us. But all I know is he walked 10 yards to the base of our tree and stopped, and he was looking for that deer the deer he heard it was cool to me you know because you don't always get to but you know he stood there facing us for a while so we couldn't really do anything but he sat there and you watch those ears moving it's like he was trying to hear he's like where's that sound that i was hearing <laughs> you yeah. know, i was like where's it at it, and it's like we talked about in the tree you know having a grunt call and a bleak call with you if it only works one time i mean dang that's enough for yeah. me. But, you know, we had luck. It was, it's, it's, we've been doing this for years and years. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just trying to sound like a buck chasing a doe. And the reason we made the buck roar was because, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was, we would have the standard grunt calls. And we were we'd hunted in Illinois a lot then. And you'd see those deer walking in those big hardwood blocks. And you'd go to grunt at them at 100 yards to 150 yards, and they couldn't hear you. And... Because they're in those loud leaves, and if you blow those old calls, if you blew them loud, it got to sounding like a duck call. <laughs> so that's, and they couldn't hear the bleat. If you can ever get those deer stopped, if they're moving, if they're walking, you get them stopped, and you get them to look in your direction, then hit them with the can, mm. bam. A lot of, if they're looking, if they're in the look phase, yeah, they coming. Well, and that's what kind of like going back to what you said earlier when I'm when I'm when I'm telling people about that. I always stress, like, I'm not trying to tell you that it's going to work every single time you do it. You know, I'm not going to tell you that at all. We called some last week, yep. you know, and it, it didn't work. It's all about timing. But if, you know, and we, who knows, we may have seen other deer this morning, but I know that you grunted and you can, and that deer that you shot came to the tree. Yep. I mean, absolutely incredible. I mean, that's, as a, as a whitetail hunter, as a bow hunter, that's what you dream of right there. And he was 10 yards quartering to me. I was drawn back, and, and it was so tempting to shoot. And this is what I want to stress to other bow hunters out there, especially mm-hmm. new new bow hunters, is I had that pin on that deer quartering to me, and I could have shot him in the shoulder and probably would have come out behind the offside shoulder, but it was too risky, so yeah. I didn't shoot. And then he turned, and he walked to 12 yards, and he's quartering straight away from me more than I wanted, than I liked. And and I learned this a long time ago, and we talked about it before, but don't worry about the entrance. Mm-hmm. Worry about the exit. 
Think about where that air is going to come out. Because if you look at this deer, if you walk up to him right now out there in the skinny shed, you'll see that it's almost, it's not in the top of his back, but it's in the top third of his back. Mm-hmm. But it came out on the offside under the shoulder, right on the back of the shoulder on the offside. And that's where I had, I just, I just envisioned where that arrow was going to come out. And that's, and that's when I squeezed the trigger. I wasn't worried about where the pin was on this side. I was worried about where the arrow was going to come out mm-hmm. on the other side. Right. And which is, I remember the first time I heard you say that, I wasn't really grasping what you meant, but it makes sense, you know, because you, you know, either, you know, if you shoot at a 3D targets all the time, uh, it's almost like no matter what the angle, everyone wants to put it right behind that shoulder. Right. You know, like it's a broadside shot, regardless of the up and down angle, regardless of, quarter, you know, quarter and how much quarter and away they get. And kind of like if you were just a, if you were just to not know anything about, the deer and see the entry wound where yours is you'd go you know (laughs) but going off like you said the how high we were in that tree how close he was to us you were shooting down and he was quartering away i mean that arrow could not have come out in in, any better of a spot right yeah so i always think about because i'm glad we talked about that because i always i can't think of and i'm not talking about anyone in particular but i've seen it several times uh, we'll even have folks sometimes send us videos on the Primo's page. They'll, like, send us from, like, one of those – they have one of those action cams in front of their bows or right. something, or they have a buddy filming them. And they like, you know, what do you think? You know, what do you think about this shot, having a hard time finding them? And it'll be a buck, a doe, whatever, you know, and it'll be in the broad daylight. The deer's standing there. You know, it's not close to dark and quartering to them hard. Yeah. And, and I'm not – you know, it's just – I, I I could see myself doing the same thing when I was younger. I did the I made the same mistake when I was younger. You know, you just think you try to force it. You try yeah. to say, oh, I got, you know, I got to kill them now. Or they're going to get away, and take that. You know, this morning for a while there, when that deer came to the tree, me and you both thought the way he came in, it looked like when he kept coming, it looked like he was going to go around behind our tree. Yep. And if that would have happened, there would have been no shot. No. And so if you're thinking like that, you'd have wanted to force it when he was standing there, but. It's just not worth it. No, nope. I was prepared. Look, I don't care if it's the if it's the biggest buck on Togo Island walks by me and don't give me a good shot angle. I'm just not shooting. Yeah. I'm not, not going to risk it. It's not worth it. You know, you grow a deer to be five, six, seven years old, and we, we owe it to the deer not to take a risky shot. Now, some yeah. people will shoot stuff head on. You know, that's their business. I absolutely am against it, mm-hmm. and, and 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 don't promote it. Um, it's to me the reward of bow hunting is. It's just as much that you make a good shot yeah. and that animal you watch him fall as it is to me shooting a big animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the whole process. It's got to, it's, I want it to be right. Yeah. I th- and, which, we, and we owe it to the all the game it, we hunt exactly. for that. That's what I, th- I think because, you know, I would like to think that everyone that hunts these animals respect them, you know. And you, I, I'm not going to take a shot that I don't think is ethical or I don't think I'm going to be able to kill him cleanly. Right. Like that one. I mean, in that that buck he shot this morning, he didn't go 100 yards, did he? Mm-mm. Probably well, 70, probably 80? Probably 75. We saw him, I, I saw him kind of make a funny move, and, and I think he was just – and then we he wasn't right. He was 25, 30 yards from the last place I saw him, but I mm-hmm. saw him do something that wasn't wasn't a runoff move. Right. <laughs> he, was, he was – I don't know if he fell or what. Yeah. He didn't go far. No, because, I mean, that like I said, that arrow went through – Probably got lung and heart and, and all, yeah, yep. everything. Yep. He didn't go far, and you know, just it, the reward of the shot is is so important to me. And, and with the equipment we have these days, these Matthews bows, how fast they are, and the good broadheads, the arrows, the penetration we get, it's just, you know, just it's it's 
bow hunting is not hard with our equipment. It's so good and so effective on what we do, mm-hmm. but the discipline part of it is what is yeah. the hard part. Right. And yeah, you got to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, a lot of bow hunters, and, and I've gotten to where I like shooting a recurve more and more. Mm-hmm. You talk about some discipline. Now, <laughs> and the elk hunting with one issue, I didn't get an elk, but I had fun. I missed two, but <laughs> it was it was fun. Yeah. But. It was it, it's a, it was like a, I don't know, it, it's more rewarding, you know, especially, I mean, because think of if you would have had as incredible of hunt as that was, you know, sitting there on the edge of that water, we're listening to wood ducks behind us, call, deer comes running to the tree, you shoot facing him, arrow hits, you don't recover the deer, kind of it ruins the whole thing. Or you spend, you know, six hours looking for him, training a speck of blood here and a speck of blood there. Yeah, I'm, I agree. And then you find him, and even if you do find him, maybe the coyotes have tore him up already or the meat's spoiled, and it just, you know, it's not worth it. It's not it's worth not it. It's not why you do it in the first place, yep. in my mind. Yep. But uh, luckily that's not what happened. And, you know, <laughs> you, like I said, you waited, and he gave you that good shot. And, God, it's, it's like I said, I can't emphasize enough, it's just, we always say it just takes the right, and it's just in like that short matter of days. We just saw that rutting activity just pick up. Yep, yep. Just I mean, we had full moon last week. We had 70 degree weather, and then this morning is 45 with a 12 mile an hour, you know, north mm-hmm. wind, and and it's it's hunting time now. Mm-hmm. It's right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad we're here. The guys are at Cottonmouth, and uh, oh, I hadn't heard they got rained out yesterday afternoon too. We hadn't heard from them this morning mm-hmm. yet, but you know that's the thing I wanted to. I get a lot of questions about Togo because people, you know, share clubs are not a new thing. Equity share clubs are not a new thing up and down the river in this part of Mississippi and Louisiana, but in a lot of places they are. So what a share club is is you have a group of guys. We have a group of guys that actually all come together and own the property. You mm-hmm. know, we have 7,200 acres, which, I mean, there's not many people that could go in and buy that much land on their own. Right. But you take a group of folks and you, you put them together, and that's what we have done here. Um, so it's 12 of us that, that have a equity share or ownership in this property, and then we have a few more shares for sale. We're, we're kind of a new club. Some clubs will be 20 and 30 years old where we're, I think this is our going into our fifth year, and um, we'll sell a few more shares going forward. And it's, it's, it's pretty neat because if you think of it like some people say, well, you know, I'd like to have a couple hundred acres. And, and share clubs are not for everybody. But this is the way I like to think of it. If, okay, say, on this property, we all have neighbors. And and no matter where you buy land, you're going to have a neighbor. But, like, here, I know what goes on on my neighbor's land. I know what goes on. We all we all have, a like, a, a QDM. We all go by the same rules. Right, yep. Um and I get to hunt on my neighbor's land. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it, we have a, like, we're sitting right here, and we call it the kind of a common area, the mess hall, where we we have a, a, a couple that cooks on the weekends, and we all get together, and we laugh, and we talk, and just to, the camaraderie of hunting camp, mm-hmm. you know, and we control it. We set our own rules and do our own plots, and it's just a fun thing, and especially for busy people that don't have time to, say, if you own a 1,000 acres, you either got to hire somebody to take care of it, or you have to, you know, have a full-time person or, or hire somebody like a contractor to come to your food plot, do your work. Well, here, you know, we have a crew that does that. We all take part and pay for. So you could leave here uh, January 31st and not come back till October 1 and everything's ready. Right, you know? yeah. And, and for busy people with young kids, we got a lot of kids here or doctors that don't have time or 
professionals that don't have much time to to do the things to keep a place ready yeah that that's a big benefit to a lot of people yeah to have this place going like like y'all have it because right. like i said it's it's i mean it's done right yep. from we, the food plots to the stuff y'all have on the you know what how many does you decide to harvest the age structure bucks you decide to shoot that sort of thing yep it's it's it's, it's done right it's a fun place it's, and i love being here any time of year whether it's fishing season turkey season we have good great duck hunting the deer hunting is just really special here yeah. just because of where it is just like just like cottonmouth i mean mm-hmm. all these river places just have an incredible deer herd because of what the mississippi river has created in this environment right everything thrives from yeah it. and like i said obviously it's, it's you know like the the doe and the buck harvest are kept in check otherwise you wouldn't have like a deer running to your tree like we had this morning you know <laughs> when you know we the, do. if the ratio's out of whack they don't respond like that typically yeah i mean we we get actually we get 250 doe tags per year mm. from the from the state of mississippi and the state of louisiana because we're in two states here. right and uh and that's just to keep the deer herd at a sustainable level so yeah. But it's a fun place, and I'm glad you're here. We're having a fun time. We got a few more days to hunt. We got some other setups. We got yeah. a few more bow setups. We got a few more gun setups. So, depending on the wind, we maybe hunt with a gun, maybe hunt with a bow. Mm. I think I, I would say going off of the buck you killed two days ago, and then the buck you killed this morning, and what we've been seeing. I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking that rut is going to start just getting more and more intense. Oh, I'd yeah. have to. Well, it's. Uh, and I usually, you know, I usually take off. I say take off. I mean, I always, I'm, between Christmas and New Year's, I always spend that week at Togo just fun hunting. Right. And it's always consistent when mm-hmm. it comes to chasing, bucks moving, big mature deer on their feet. It's always good that week. So, yeah, for the next two weeks, we got some fun times ahead of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I think we covered everything we wanted to cover today. And uh, like I said, sorry, the, the, it's kind of a unique situation with the storms coming through and, <laughs> and the generator. But, you know, we're making it work. And, making it's, it and work. you ain't going to hear any. I mean, like, the deer hunting's good. The camp life is good. I'm not, you're not going to hear any complaints out of me. Well, we, we, we're, we're all pretty fortunate to live in this country to get to experience this and, and just to sit in the woods and hear wood ducks and see deer and mallards flying over it's a, it's a special time and i just appreciate it and cherish it more each and every year absolutely so uh, guys i think that's going to cover it for us uh if you have any questions as always send it into the primos facebook or instagram page and yeah i hope you enjoyed it thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast <laughs>